So all this came about us talking about the fact that we woke up at eight in the morning <laughs> to watch a movie as opposed to waking up at eight to, you know, go to church and get ready for football. I made sure everything I needed to get done today was done was before done. I came here and we started at eight o'clock. I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked waking up early to watch a movie. It it's was not bad. It, it's a weird feeling because normally you stay up late to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. right? You wait till it's dark out and then you watch a movie. But actually waking up and having that kind of be like the first thing that I take in, the first kind of piece of media that I take in was interesting. Because I, I mean, I woke up this morning, I woke up at about 6.30, made sure the dog was fed, took him out, turned golf on for a minute just to have some noise in the background while I cleaned up the kitchen and just kind of got ready. Yeah. And then you came over and we actually sat down. The only, and the only thing that's really close, there's been times when I like start a movie mm -hmm. like at night and then I finish it in the morning. Like when you, right when you wake up. Yeah. yeah never, I've done that before. I never really get up just for the purpose of watching a movie. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's even close is like going to an 11 o'clock matinee or something like that. Right. But right. Even then, by the time you leave the theater, it's lunchtime and right. We're sitting here, not even 11 o'clock. We've got a movie in. We're mm -hmm. recording our pod. So. St still sipping on coffee. Oh, yeah. Getting the brain juices flowing. Which, by the way, mm -hmm. I think this is a good time now that you bring up the coffee. Yeah. To mention our loyal supporter, yes, dude. Haley Holings, oh, who my sent us custom front row seats. Let me just say, your sister Haley might be like the best person of the week, the month, She's the real MVP is what Possibly she is. Possibly 2020. Sending us, sending us these tumblers. She was very concerned after the first episode. Show that the we, camera. Oh, yeah. There we go. Look at these. Very concerned that we didn't have matching tumblers. Right. So now we do. We have our first official merch exclusive, though. <clears throat> Nobody else can buy it. Nope. Mostly. We do have our own merch, though. Because I'm not really sure where she got it from. Or Yeah. No. No idea. We might have to make a phone call about that. It doesn't matter. The point is... The point is... We have yes. front row seats, tumblers. Kind of completes, completes our... Not going to lie. You called me. You FaceTimed me. Yeah. And I felt really weird because you never <laughs> FaceTimed me. I looked at my phone and I asked, Tom's face. What the hell is going on? I hope he's okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to... I thought I was going to answer and you were going to show me like a your car was bent and well, you were in a horrible I text, wreck. I, I, was, I texted I you and I just said, dude, I need to FaceTime face you. you. And yeah. you were like, is it something cool? <laughs> Are you okay? Is it, it's it's cool, right? It's a good thing. And you're like, yeah. And then I called you and you showed me. And it was the best part of my day. And then the week slowly devolved from there. But, <laughs> but hey, it's Sunday. It's a new week. We got a new movie to talk about. Yeah. And I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. To, uh, maybe not necessarily a great... I'm not not that. But I'm just saying a good one to talk about. Yeah, good one to talk about. And a very discussional. We're, we're finally... Discussion. Discussion. That's no, that's not a word. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> we're, we're fi finally we're finally branching out from Netflix. From Netflix, yes, which is good because Netflix is kind of has become known for their originals. Mm -hmm. But people tend to neglect the other streaming platforms. Amazon and Hulu are are pumping out originals. Yeah, and I think there's someone. I there's a couple that I think the, we have on our list. The quality of stuff that Amazon has been putting out. It, oh yeah, it rivals Netflix and, and their, their television shows too, man. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I think people sleep on how good Amazon shows are. Mm -hmm. Like, um, one of the most noteworthy show television shows. Not to get too off track, but one of the most noteworthy shows I've watched in the past couple years has been The Man in the High Castle. That's an Amazon original. Mm -hmm. It's one of the best shows I think that's been out there. But I don't think as many people know about it because it's coming through Amazon and not Netflix. Yeah, 
Well, and I mean, Netflix kind of started the trend. Right. Um, so it makes sense that they're at the top. And it's still. also like the the trend of making original movies on these platforms has mm. kind of just blown up over the last couple of years. Oh, it's been huge. It hasn't been long since Netflix first started doing that. And now mm. no. a lot of what they put out is they put out more originals than than not. And yeah. so it's kind of, I, I feel like these other platforms are playing catch up a little bit. Right. But there's, yeah. It doesn't mean that the quality of what they're putting out is any worse. And now, no, even not at all. like Apple, um, Apple TV is doing like almost exclusively originals. At least they have been for a while. I think I think everything Apple TV does, yeah, has been Apple TV Plus has been Apple originals. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of it has been like obviously Netflix has a great library of studio films and indie films that weren't originally on Netflix and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I think a lot of yeah, places like Apple TV Plus are exclusively Apple Originals, only only able to see there, never released in theaters, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad that we're doing an Amazon Prime movie today. I'm glad we're branching out. The Vast I, of Night. I've been a huge fan of Amazon Prime for a few years now. I think the, the stuff they've been putting out has been really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad we kind of we kind of branched out that way. And I think there's a couple more movies on there that we're going yeah, we'll to get to. Yeah, we'll probably get there. And Worth what's, seeing. what's cool about this too is Andrew Patterson, the director. This is mm-hmm. his. This is this his, is his debut debut film. I um, was looking. I was trying to find other credits on IMDb. It's nothing. Not it's many. Just Vast of Night, and that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's his only film. I mean, even that, like the main cast. Um, I'll, I'm going to throw out names, and you're not going to know them because their names like Sierra McCormick plays Faye, the main yeah. the main girl. Jake Horowitz plays Everett. The only thing I know about his name is is Horowitz, which Adam Horowitz is one of the producers on a couple uh, bigger TV shows that have come out on ABC and stuff like that. No idea if there's any relation there whatsoever. My guess is there isn't. Um, Gail Cronauer plays Mabel. Uh, Bruce Davis is Billy. I believe that's the voice of the man they yep, talked to the on the radio. radio. And then Greg Payton is Benny. So the only the only one that I can think <clears throat> of is... Sierra McCormick was on Curb Your Enthusiasm for okay. a few seasons. I think maybe for two seasons. Okay. But you're right. None of these none of these actors have really done any extensive film work at right. least. Right. And <clears throat> it was kind of interesting. I didn't necessarily love all of the performances. You can kind mm-hmm. of tell that they're a little green to it. But for sure. But um Well you could tell you could also tell there wasn't a lot they had to work with. Meaning Right basically zero budget. I'm pretty sure um, most of this movie was um, financed by Patterson himself. Mm-hmm. Like he, he funded almost the entire movie of his own accord. Well, at least he should make a profit then. <laughs> God, I would hope so. Cause the production budget uh, was $700,000. Awesome. This was a $700,000 movie and it was made with the skill and quality of a, legitimate film in my I mean in my opinion I some I of the, agree, thing, some no, of the I things they pull off that. I agree with that it was made with the skill and quality mm-hmm. of a more legitimate budget right but it kind of played like a $700,000 you could watching yeah, it you, you could, could tell you that could, yeah not a lot of money at least right. went into it there That's were fine. moments but, but the thing is they they turned nothing into something in those moments right right like a lot of a lot of scenes play out as one take right mm-hmm. 
like a lot of the times uh, you see characters in the actual radio station, whether someone's on the on the the boards or actually in the studio talking on the radio, a lot of those scenes are done in one take. And that is a that's a product of not having a lot of money, but that also forces your actors and actresses to do a lot more work than they would if there were a lot more cuts, different angles, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think they really they really made a lot out of that kind of limitation that they had mm-hmm. in the film. I think kind of just going off of what you just said about the longer scenes and the longer takes, mm-hmm. at times it felt a little drawn out. They probably could have shortened those a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, that maybe 45 minutes in when we get that long shot of Faye is at the switchboard. Mm-hmm. And um, what is the, Everett. the DJ's name? Everett. Everett. Yeah. He's Everett. at the radio station. Mm-hmm. And we get the long shot from leaving her switchboard mm-hmm. through the entire town, yep. through a bunch of farms and mm-hmm. fields and all this stuff into a high school basketball game, through the parking lot, into right. the crowd. Right. Then out of the high school basketball the game. Gym. Right. Over into eventually into the radio station. Back to the radio station. And the entire time it's kind of assumed they're having a conversation and it just picks up with them talking to each other over the radio. Right. But dude, that shot was so cool. One of the coolest shots of the year. Oh, easily. Absolutely. You know how they shot that? How? The, there was a kid in town, in the town they shot in, who, mm-hmm. who owned a go-kart. So they rigged the camera to his go-kart. Nice. And he just drove his go-kart around town. I think there's there's a couple moments, I think, where there might be cuts but a lot of times it's just they literally just will very smoothly mount the camera onto the go-kart, mm-hmm. drive the go-kart around. To, and then when they get to the gym, someone just picks it up and walks through the gym with it. Yeah, and, and, and the it, places they smooth where it out so well. The places where there are cuts, it's like because the camera passes by a person, it gives them an opportunity right. to cut. Or, or passes, passes by a tree. Through, through or, a window or yeah, something through a like window. that. Right? It gives them the chance to cut, but it doesn't make it look... It's not a hard cut by any means. Right, it right. makes it look like it was all Dude, one take, which was it was very well done. One thing I'm pretty sure I know, everything that takes place on the ground, like when, it, on the, when it's mounted to the go-kart, yeah. that is all one singular take. Yeah, they might have done it a few times, had them drive around a couple different I'm sure. routes. But that the again, and that speaks to creating something worthwhile with basically nothing. They found a kid with a go kart and said, "Hey, can you drive this? Like, we're gonna give you a route, and I need you to drive through it with the camera on your go kart." Yeah, like that. Now that you say that too, the like watching it, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. The shot's very low to the ground. Even once yeah, we, yeah, even once we get into. Um, that gymnasium or mm-hmm. when we get to the radio station, mm-hmm. the shot is always from down low looking up. Right. And that's, so it all makes sense that way. But yeah, what a cool way to, first of all, kind of get the people involved. Right. Um, exactly. Of the town. I'm sure mm-hmm. they had a lot of extras. Um, that probably just lived there. Were probably just mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And it's worth, I think it's worth noting because you did say one of the best shots of the year <clears throat> Yeah. This movie released to the public this year, mm-hmm. um, but it debuted at the Slamdance um, Film Festival in January of 2019. Yeah, it's been it, it's been a long. It, it, they shot it, I think, a long time ago. I think mm-hmm. um, I think he shot it in like three years ago. Yeah, three or four years ago, and it finally just kind of got into the the uh, award show circuit or the the 
one of not award show circuit um into the festival circuit yes but it dude it was denied at a lot of different festivals really yeah there were a, a couple different ones i can't remember um i was watching i was watching a video about this cuz i i had seen this before you but after i'd watched it i i watched a couple videos on it but there were a couple like like i think like sundance wouldn't take it um couple you know couple couple really big festivals wouldn't take the movie mm-hmm. and watching it i'm i'm not really sure why because as far as ind- it's, it's independent films go... It's a movie that go, is kind of built for film festivals. Oh, like, yeah. That's the kind of thing you expect to come out of. 100%. Even the bigger ones like Sundance. Right. So it's kind of surprising that they weren't able to um, yeah, I don't release know. it more widely, mm-hmm. especially during festival season over the summer. Right. Well, last year when there were I guess, film yeah. festivals. Yeah. But, <laughs> last year. Um, yeah, I think if... And if you... Um, when you when you look up the film, and I guess this will be helpful for anybody looking for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, it is. It says that it was published in 2019, right? Because that's when it was first released. That's when it was first technically released. Yeah, not to the public. Right, um, dude. This movie gave off some serious Twilight Zone vibes. Oh my gosh! From 100 like, from the start with the right. opening graphic on the mm-hmm. little 1950s yeah. black and white TV screen. Yep. I was expecting. Uh, that opening narration, I was expecting the guy to say at the end, you are an now area entering. in which we call the Twilight Zone. Right. Like I was just waiting even, for even it. The guy, even the guy narrating that intro sounded like oh, the, yeah. the, uh, the guy, I can't, I can't for the life of me remember his name, but the guy who actually narrated the Twilight Zone. Um, I can't think of his name. I'd have to look it up. And but I it sounded the, like him. I think the opening narr- uh, narration in Twilight Zone says something about like a dimension as vast as space or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then we have the vast of night very clearly took a lot of cues from mm-hmm. the twilight zone, which I didn't hate. They made it work. I didn't hate it either. It, it um, you know what, what's amazing about most of the twilight zone. I don't know how much of the original series you've watched. Not I've watched, much. I've watched a few episodes, mm-hmm. but what's great about them is how, um, how different, how anthologized they are from, yeah. from each other. And this just felt like it could fit into that series. It, it yeah. felt like it could have come from the 1960s when the Twilight Zone was originally released. I mean, it takes place in, I think, it, you know, it, it's in Cayuga, New Mexico, I believe is the name of the town. Mm-hmm. And it's in the, you know, late fifties. Um, everything is very well produced in that it, you feel like you are in the fifties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I felt like they just pulled out a script. It felt like they pulled out a script from the Twilight Zone and went, okay, we can add a little bit to this and make it into a, a feature film length project. Dude, how long do you think the script was? That script? 40 pages. Yeah. And I would bet you 35 of those pages were descriptive pages of just talking about how the camera's going to move through scenes and and what's going to go on. I 100% disagree with you. You think it was longer? I think it was absolutely longer because it was nonstop dialogue. Even the long scenes was talking the entire time. So they need, yes, there was a lot of camera work. There was a lot of like cinematography type stuff that would go into it. But on top of that, you're also talking about at times six to seven minutes of just talking. Just straight dialogue. That's true. So I'm guessing it would be really long. And I'm sure you can probably tell that this is getting to a point where I have a problem with the dialogue in the movie because yeah tell me a little bit about that i want to know dude i we opened up the movie with mm-hmm. basically 10 or 15 minutes of just talking 
Right. Not only just talking, but talking where the main character Everett had mm-hmm. a cigarette in his mouth and was facing away from the camera. So I had no idea what the hell they were saying. You couldn't pick it up at all. Most of it. And <clears throat> Everett, I feel like now I think Jake Horowitz did a good job yeah. with Everett, but it seemed like there were times where he couldn't really decide like what kind of voice he was going for, mm-hmm. what kind of accent he wanted. Right. There was just some, I don't know. There was just some slight differences in how the character acted. Well, I think that was the kind film. of the point. Cause if you remember, they talk about it near the end. He, she asks him why he keeps changing his voice. Yeah. He says, I don't know. It's radio voice. I think that's what you might've picked up on at the beginning is because every time he talks to someone, his voice changes a little bit. Yeah. It's almost as if he's trying to keep that persona intact. But when he's with, um, uh, Faye, his voice is normal. He talks a little quicker too. He's a little more short, but then when he actually has around other people, he, he puts kinda, on his radio voice. Kind of perks up, puts the radio voice on. Yeah. He might also he might also throw out cigarettes every time he talks to someone new. I'd have to I'd have to rewatch yeah, to, to kind of so, check that. But I mean, you're right. It could be a creative decision. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit tough to keep up with. To keep up. Yeah. And not that I was to be honest, not that I was overly interested by what he was saying. Yeah. Um it it wasn't really I don't know, especially starting the movie like that, starting the movie with just him talking to a number of different people. Mm -hmm. It was a cool shot. It was a cool scene, but it wasn't enough to keep me interested in the actual words coming out of his mouth. And I, I, they lost me from the beginning with all of the dialogue. And then it seemed, and I kept waiting, dude. I was like, okay, so first 15 minutes, I was even thinking about like how I'm going to describe this once we talk about it. Right. In my mind, I would have loved to been able to say, well, if you can make it through the first 15 minutes of dialogue, you're going to get an exciting movie. Yeah. But I can't say that because it didn't stop for probably a good hour. See, out of the I hour was, and a half movie was just talking. I was completely roped in by the dialogue. Really? I thought the dialogue was great. It was very, none of it was, none of it was showy, right? We've talked about this before. We don't want, pe- or it, none of it was telling. We want to be right. shown things, right? Yeah. We don't want to be told things. But none of the dialogue was actually telling us anything about what was going on. All the dialogue was just to cue us in on who these people were. Purely conversational dialogue that just puts you in the mind of who each character is, how they, how they are when they interact with each other. Yeah. That's one, of the, that's one of the best ways you can kind of learn about who someone is, is how they talk, what they say, how their conversations play out. And I'd say the first 30 minutes of this movie, it was, yeah, like you said, a lot of that. A lot of kind of these these long setup sequences that are kind of just building up who these people are. Mm-hmm. None of it really pushing the plot anywhere. And then we get into the we get into the actual radio station, and then one man tells a story about the sound he heard. But again, that's not none of that dialogue in any way is kind of telling us what's going on. No, it, I mean all it's telling us is an interpretation of what someone experienced. It's not really expository in any way. Yeah, if I, anything, it just adds to the question of what the hell is going on in the in the clouds right now. I think that you're right that it was very conversational, and I'm glad <clears throat> that they didn't try to beat us over the head with descriptive type stuff. Right. Right. Um, but I think that at times maybe it took itself a little too seriously. Um, they, 
I don't think that the dialogue was always as important as they made it sound like, or they mm-hmm. made it seem because right. there were times it took over the entire scene. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love the long scenes. I love the, you know, one take mm-hmm. kind of, especially when we're talking about scenes that are sometimes, you know, five to 10 minutes long right. in one scene. Right. I love that idea, but mm-hmm. my focus at that point is the scene itself, not listening to them have a conversation. Right. Um, because at least if you're going to do that, then show us something a little more interesting um, actually taking place. I don't want to sit here and, and have the camera focused on a character while they talk for seven minutes. Yeah. Um, because that's not something that's going to, uh, it's not visually stimulating, but it's also not going to really rope me into what they're trying to accomplish with the scene. It almost felt at times like some of the scenes were, you know, documentary esque, especially when they were Mm -hmm. talking to the old lady, um, towards the end, she's sitting on her couch telling them this story of her yeah. um, alien encounter type of experience, mm-hmm. um, which that could have been the vibe that they were going for. But man, I didn't, when, when you have a movie that's only an hour and a half long, which I love, mm-hmm. and we can talk about that a little more later, but when you have a movie that's that short, yeah. I don't want the majority of it to be wasted on conversation between characters with really nothing much else happening in See, the background. I don't think that was a waste at all. Cause, but that's like I said, I found the conversations to be compelling. I found the stories that they were telling to be what was compelling. And also I think, again, you have to do this with the understanding that they can't, they can't take you to like those scenes that they're describing. Like if, if with a, with a movie with a big enough production budget, they probably could have taken those stories they were telling and actually gone to that setting and shot that scene as like a flashback or as you know with her like narrating still the story and just having the story actually play out visually but i think that's something this film was constrained by Mm -hmm. and i don't think it necessarily didn't work though i thought i still found the conversation to be worthwhile because i thought the performances in place were good enough to kind of rope me in yeah and make me interested and want to know what they were going to, you know, how so, the story was going to end. It felt like I was just sitting like we are right now. Yeah. Just having a conversation and they're telling me this crazy Does, story that no, I have to visualize wants to watch this. that I have to visualize in my head. What are you talking about? Um, no, I, I see what you're saying. And I think with that point about the budget, we might disagree on this because to me, instead of kind of your <laughs> thought that they made something out of nothing and they did the best with what they had Mm -hmm. to me that says maybe they bit off more than they could chew because they weren't able to show us the things that we would have wanted to been shown they had to the fact is that they used all of the dialogue they used all of the conversation because they were forced to because they didn't have another option that they could reasonably make right. happen well you could also argue that they wanted the film to play out as if it were just one crazy night they didn't want to flash back to something else because that would have taken away from the fact that what we're watching the hour and a half that we're watching is in real time an hour and a half like we see yeah. we see an hour and a half play out and that's in in their in their world in the world of the film it's also just 90 minutes mm-hmm. all we see is those 90 minutes and we don't cut away to anything new or different or outside of that setting. Yeah. It's all that one spot in those, it's not quite 90 minutes because obviously there's credits, but you know, 
yeah hour 25 See, minutes maybe it's maybe it's because the the whole like contact from outer space alien genre is a bit saturated we've seen mm-hmm. so many different takes on it right but i think part of the problem and maybe where all of this stems from for me yeah why i wasn't really thrilled with all of the the dialogue and and how they set that up is because mm-hmm. i don't think that now granted you have to put yourself into 1950s rural america where this <laughs> is taking place right but i didn't think strange sounds on a radio was enough to like kick off this whole crazy night as you put it right um i i would have liked to see more but like i said i think maybe that's because we've been shown so much more by previous films of a similar genre right that wasn't enough to build the excitement and because that scene too where they discovered these sounds coming in from the radio Mm -hmm. was just a few minutes out of the entire movie right and the rest was them trying to figure out what it was and i get it's kind of this it's kind of a soft thriller in a way they weren't trying to do Mm -hmm. anything too crazy it wasn't there it wasn't suspenseful necessarily but yeah, I didn't think that they spent enough time showing us what we had to be excited for, showing us why these characters were were so taken aback by this sound on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all well and good watching these characters be shocked by that and yeah. and getting callers telling them stories of stuff that happened years ago. Right. But if we are not similarly um, intrigued by whatever it is they're intrigued by mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's not gonna keep me interested in their work along the way right see i i don't know i disagree there too i think the intrigue was perfectly set up i think she she shows him a sound he says it's radio there's sounds all the time and then she actually she actually plays him the sound and he goes i've never heard that before and i think to me that's perfect that's all i needed i needed him to go ah that doesn't sound yeah, right but it went it went from that's a sound i've never heard to Forcing it on the radio to have people call in and tell them what the sounds are. Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, but you say yeah. That's not. Like, un- that's that's not uncommon. It is. It's not reasonable. Totally no, it's not. Yeah, Gus, we can record all the time and hear weird noises when we go back and listen through the audio, and we're not going to think it's aliens. Yeah, but we don't hear sounds like the one they did, Dom. Is completely abnormal. The sounds we hear when we have weird recordings are very common, normal sounds. Like a weird click, a very subtle click. <laughs> That's very normal. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I didn't I didn't find the setup to be... I found the way they kind of set it up to be just fine. And I think even in the setup, in the intrigue that they set up, they, they it's a very casual way to set it up. Because he goes, I'm just I'm gonna put what, it over the radio. Waves. That's what my that's what my problem is. It's because, the first story we hear that actually sets up. They didn't spend enough time setting it up um, to match how much they expect us to be interested in their journey that's going to come after that. Not enough for me to sit there and want to listen to every single word of their talk for the next hour. See, I was roped, I was roped in. Yeah. I I I found the intrigue pretty immediately. It's, that's just a difference. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Let's, It, it felt tangible to me. Like it felt like if I were operating radio board and I'd heard something like that and thought, you know what, I don't. Let me put it out on the waves and see if anyone's heard of it. Yeah. See if and I can get a couple calls. My thought is for, like for the time, <clears throat> for those characters in particular, I right. can totally see why it was so intriguing to them. 
why it was maybe even a bit worrisome to them. Right. I could get that. Mm-hmm. But I just, maybe it's because we are so surrounded by technology and we are so surrounded by we hear weird, weird noises on the radio, all the so time. to speak. Right. You know, that it's not, we would hear that and probably just change the channel. Right. Right. All right. right, whatever. But um, no, I get it. Putting putting myself in the shoes of those characters and in the setting, which I think that they did an awesome job setting up the town, mm-hmm. um, setting the scene for this movie to take place. Right. Um, I could I could see why they took the direction they did. Mm-hmm. Difference of opinion, man. I guess this so. is why we do this. I know. You know what I did love though. What did you love? And I don't I don't want to get ahead of us. So. I'm sure you have things to add before this point. Mm-hmm. I just don't want it. I don't want it to seem like I absolutely just hated every second of this movie. <laughs> the ending was incredible. The last 15 minutes, I absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> I did too. Looking back, I think like that's what I was expecting to see, but the entire time, which in mm-hmm. a way made the ending so much more satisfying. Right. Um, when we finally get, and honestly, there's not like too much to spoil from this movie. No, um, not, not a much. Not, if not if a you bunch. know that it's a couple of small town kids trying to figure out these mm-hmm. weird sounds on the airways right. that others claim are aliens, you kind of know how, how the film is going to go. Right. But um, when we finally get the, reveal of the aliens if you Mm -hmm. want to call it that um what's funny they just call them the people in the sky the people in the sky i don't think they ever say aliens once in the entire movie they don't and i they're always called the people in the sky i love that too because maybe it's they didn't explicitly say this but maybe it's set in a world where the idea of aliens doesn't necessarily exist right in in the same way you know how in the walking dead the mm-hmm. word zombie does not exist. The right. people of that world don't know what they are, so they call them walkers because right. that's all they can think of. Right. And that's I kind of got that that vibe from this movie that that's how they set it up that these mm-hmm. people truly don't know right what it is. They don't have no idea. They don't have the the previous idea of right. aliens or of mm-hmm. you know even intellectual life from outer space. It's just right. the people in the sky, which I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. I love how the um, um, the music kind of ties in at the end. Like we get little we get little bits of score throughout the first hour of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's really in the last half hour where I think the music that the the composers put together really kind of shines, and it kind of adds a different layer to the film that you might not have gotten in the beginning because like the beginning is so dialogue focused, yeah, and it's so much focused on scenery. But, you know, in the moments where there's not dialogue, like the, the go-kart scene that we talked about, that long tracking shot, there's mm-hmm. some, there's a good bit of music there. It's kind of darker, a little more, I wouldn't say necessarily sinister, but it's just eerie. It's just yeah. kind of eerie music. And then we get to that last scene where they're out in the field and they start seeing all these signs of UFOs and weird things happening. And the it, it kind of the music kind of cues you in on the fact that they're in this open field. And it's really dark and all they can see is the stars yeah. and something is, something's there. You're not quite sure what it is because they don't immediately show you what it is, mm-hmm. but the way the music kind of slowly kind of creeps up into that scene, it's really expansive music too. Like, I don't know why there's something about strings, like hearing really soft strings in an open field 
that just kind of it makes you feel like wow I'm in the I'm just in an open space in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it it, it really helps kind of put you in that place. Well, and it had a and different I, sound. I love the music too. It had a different sound mm-hmm. than pre. And I don't want to I don't want to necessarily keep comparing this to alien movies of the past because it's not right. it's not those no um no but it was the sound was like not it's nothing that i had heard before right especially with that genre but at the same time it was so fitting it just seemed like mm-hmm. a new it was like a fresh take on that kind of that right. kind of score and it worked so well with them mm-hmm. like you said as as the story ramped up throughout the movie mm-hmm. um the score changed with it and it changed with um our own understanding of what was going on. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it fit super well all mm. the way up until, up until it ended. The very end. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I don't know. The ending was so, it was just the right amount. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Like some endings give away too much. Some endings are so confusing and give away so little that you're left so confused and puzzled and there's, there's no answer. Yeah. This movie left you with just enough to know more than likely what happened and left you to know that a lot of what was told in those stories that we'd heard before is is true. Yeah. And which was it was it was almost a validating ending to all this cuz all these stories you hear you're like okay are these stories really true? Yeah. That's one of the points. It's like okay are there really are there really people in the sky? Like what's is or is it just a weird noise on the radio? Mm-hmm. So that the last 10 minutes really it kind of it kind of validates all those these crazy people stories and it also validates kind of um itself in a way because it doesn't give too much away it doesn't show you where the characters are it doesn't show you or it doesn't tell you anything mm-hmm. it just kind of shows you what happened up until the moment that we last saw them yeah and i think also it kind of just leaves it leaves the door open it leaves both us and maybe <clears throat> by extension that the kind of small town that we are in the entire movie, mm-hmm. it just leaves you with the feeling that there's more out there. It leaves right. you with the feeling that there is something bigger than us mm-hmm. type of thing. And I think that that's how they needed to end it. That was the best way that they could right. have possibly right. ended it without necessarily trying to, you know, wrap up the entire story. The right. idea is that there's still more we don't know about. Right. And, and, even the people who spent the entire film trying to find out what was really going on. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if something bigger was at work, right. Um, there's still so much more that not even they know. Right. About. It made you satisfied, but it also made you want more, it, but it worked within the, within the, the kind of uh, parameters of the, cause this is a very like isolated incident, mm-hmm. right? It takes place over one night. We hear stories about how possibly expansive this, story could be but the entire movie kind of works within the constraints of it's this one night this isolated incident between these two primarily these two people Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going on and the ending does the same thing it leaves you satisfied enough to where you you're okay with how it ends but it also leaves you wanting more because you know that everything they had just heard this night is true so now this weird expanded existence of this extraterrestrial you know, whatever group, it, it's it's real. It's it's out in in this film world. It's out there somewhere. Yeah, and it it, it kind of makes you want to know more about the expanded universe, but it still leaves you satisfied with 
the kind of smaller um, story you were being told in that moment. I, with the way that they ended it, I could find myself being very intrigued by if this was like a mini series type setting, like three episodes that are an hour long. Right. Because they could do so much oh, yeah. with it. And oh, yeah. the way that they left it is perfect. But at the same time, I love how they ended the movie so much that I don't really want to see anymore. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with how they left it. I'm happy with just letting the mm. audience and the characters in the movie right. kind of wonder what happens next. Unless, unless I knew that Andrew Patterson, who you know, who created this this story, had more ideas that he was yeah. just trying to to work out, I wouldn't want anyone else touching it. Oh, because this is such not. a this feels like such a a singular kind of vision. Well, you know, yeah, I agree. And if they were if they were to try a sequel or if they were to try to make it a, a series of films or anything like that, mm-hmm. they would, there's, it, it would feel like a turning point. There's so many more directions you could go after this that maybe the best thing is to just leave it alone and right. let it be what it is. And we don't even need to let it be. It. And then let a studio give you $30 million to make another original sci-fi piece. A different one. A different one. Yes. Another completely... I, yeah, because yeah. I think this story would... If there were a second one... And I don't... I doubt there's even one in the works. So no, this is not. purely speculation. Mm-hmm. Another movie in this series would be ruined by a big budget. And so right. I would love to see what Andrew Patterson could do with a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in the same genre. Maybe not. Well, that's what I'm saying. A completely yeah. original idea. Absolutely. Something totally different it can be sci-fi it can be it can be a mystery you know whatever you want it to be but Mm -hmm. just to see him to see what he could do to see what he could do with 10 million dollars yeah would be oh my gosh he didn't even get a million for this movie so let's see what he can do with a million i bet you they blew most (laughs) of that seven hundred thousand dollar budget on the ufos you see at the end yes the absolutely and honestly dude those shots are some of the best shots in the movie just those big wide shots with the moon way in the background mm-hmm. and just these these UFOs just kind of twirling around with the soft music playing. Dude, I was, man, I was, it was beautiful. It was almost dreamlike how yeah. those and scenes played dude, out. Dude, the music played right into that oh too. My gosh. Like, and yeah. that's the word that I think that I was looking for is dreamlike, dreamlike with the final scene. The last was, 10 minutes. Yeah. It was, yeah, dude, it was so good. The way it all finally came together at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. Like that's, I feel like that's the best way that they possibly could have ended it. And it left me wanting more. Mm -hmm. And I hope I don't get any more because I'm so happy with, with where they left. That's gotta be the, that's gotta be one of the best ways a movie can end leaving you wanting so much more, but thinking I better never see any more of that because anything else will tarnish what I just experienced. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Even with all, even with all the, like all the negatives you might have, the way, the way the movie ends, it kind of like it, it kind of perfectly encapsulates this little hour and a half long individual story. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what I, and that's one thing I loved about it so much. It felt just so unique and original. It felt like something I hadn't really seen in a long time or if ever. Yeah. You know, and I can appreciate a movie a lot more for its uniqueness and its, its, its ability to be individual, like its own individual thing than a movie that's, you know, just another long movie in a series of, of types of genre film that just kind of feels mm-hmm. like it was the same as what it was made five years ago. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and going back to the <clears throat> idea of these these streaming services making their own movies or producing mm-hmm. their own right. movies. Right. This is what I hope for from mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. I don't want to see something that is I don't want to see something that I would get with every other big production company. Right. I don't want to see something yeah. that I could get um with even I don't know that that is a movie that is necessarily built for theaters. Right. I want to see if I'm watching something um, at home from one of these streaming services, I want to see something that is different than what I will see in theaters. Right. right. I, I want movies <clears throat> like this. And I think sometimes they try way too hard to give us those theater experiences. They right. try so hard to create a, a big budget action movie mm-hmm. or right. um, they try way too hard to be funny or be something. That, I mean, of course, they're there to make money. But of course, show us yeah. something new. Show us something mm-hmm. that is different than what we can get anywhere else. Right. And that's what Amazon did. And I love that. That's exactly what this movie felt like. And it, it's a movie that knew what its limitations were. Yeah. Right. It didn't exactly. It didn't try to go above and beyond. It went exactly where it knew it could and it gave us the the best experience it possibly could within the constraints it had mm-hmm. it never tries to go over the top or hit you over the head with something that it can't do because the, i think the creators recognize that and they give them they give us exactly what they knew they could and they did it as best as they could yeah which is what's great about independent filmmaking is you can get weirder experiences but that's also the positive is sometimes those weirder experiences are Far better than what you could get with a a fifty million dollar budget from a big studio, you know. Right, and yeah, because they're not they're not limited by what the studio, you know, because studios oftentimes they kind of want you to go on this certain path, and they kind of give you these rules to live up to, almost right. Mm-hmm. But when you're you're doing something completely independent of that, and you're doing it all by yourself with your own money, I mean, this dude financed the whole thing by himself. Yeah, you don't have those limitations, so you can kind of you can better express your vision mm-hmm. through a film. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Some things don't work out as well. But I'm always more appreciative of that because I know when I'm watching something like this movie, I know it's exactly what he wanted us to see. Exactly yeah. what the the director, Andrew Pat, it's exactly what he wanted us to see. Well, and it's, he, I think that he knows his limits with a movie like this. And there are limitations, mm-hmm. but they're so much different than the kind of limitations you get with a big budget. Film. Right, right. You're not being, um, you're not being censored, and not that there was anything that needed censored in this no, movie. Yeah, but nothing you're too not, vulgar. You're not being told what to do, what mm-hmm. to say, what to put on screen. Right. By these big production companies that, quite frankly, have a little bit more skin in the game. Right. They have more to lose mm-hmm. by. A, a film that is not exactly what they want. Right, exactly. Um, whereas a a small director like this, a small budget like this, mm-hmm. they don't really have anything to lose. Right. So they're going to do exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. and Every time. And yes, they might be limited by experience. They might be limited financially. Yeah. But they know that. And it's like you said, and I love that you said that they're, they weren't trying to do too much. Right. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that um, this is exactly the kind of thing that you hope for mm-hmm. from an indie movie. Right. And it, this one, we had that discussion before about how I think indie <clears throat> movies should be considered good for 
the genre that they are, regardless of right. how big the production was. Right, right. This movie felt like an indie movie. Um, and if that's what you're looking for, like this is it. If you mm -hmm. want yeah. the smaller feel, if you want the feel of a true independent film, yeah, this is the this one. This movie does it, exactly. Yeah. It takes a long time for uh, creators to be given um, carte blanche, as it were, mm -hmm. with big studio. Like, there are very few people that get to do that in this world. Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino is probably one of them. Um, Denis Villeneuve, who's creating Dune, is one of them. Mm -hmm. But most people that work within the parameters of big budget or of big studios have to follow the rules. There are very few people that don't have to follow the rules when they work for a studio. Right. And, but I think movies like this are what kind of, they kind of, uh, they kind of, t they kind of show studios, Hey, you know, you might want us to follow these rules, but when we don't follow the rules, this is what we can do. Mm -hmm. And we did this with $700,000. Yeah. And I think it's gotta be huge for the confidence of the director, the confidence of all the actors in the film mm -hmm. to really oh, yeah. see their vision come to life right. and realize what they could do, mm -hmm. um, realize really what their films could become mm -hmm. and that they don't really need the big companies backing right. them. They don't right. need all of these, you know, big name producers and they exactly. don't need a star studded cast. They need, they need commitment. They need, it's all they need. They need commitment and a little kid with a go-kart. Exactly. Like that's a little, they, a little kid with a go-kart. They got it done, dude. And then they do it. Yeah. And that's it. It's awesome. I really, um, I really appreciated this movie for what it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you probably had a few more negatives than I did, but overall I liked it a lot. I'd probably give it a, I'd probably give it a B, mm -hmm. B, B plus because yeah. of how much fun I had watching it. I'm yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm close with that. The, the issues that I had with it were creative decisions. It wasn't anything. Right. Um, I didn't have an issue with it. Technically speaking. Right. I, you know, I didn't have an issue with the lack of effects or mm -hmm. anything like that. I right. don't think they did anything poorly. Mm -hmm. I just disagreed with some of their decisions. Right. I disagreed at times with how they decided to pace it. I disagreed at times with how they structured the film. Right. Right. I loved the story. Mm. I love the ending. I love the the kind of new take, this fresh take on a story that uh, that we've seen before. Right. Um, and, you know, it very clearly took inspiration from those that came before it. For sure. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't it wasn't completely <clears throat> nuanced in that way. But I think that no, they no. I think they did a good job. The ending honestly bumps it up like just the ending itself, I'd give an A. Dude, but I, I could sit down and I could sit down and watch that ending again right absolutely. now, just to listen to the music. Yes, and feel that throw on that environment. Throw on the last fifteen minutes, maybe even without the rest of the film, I would enjoy. If you just yeah. showed me the final fifteen minutes of the movie, I would have been like, "Oh, that was a great short film." True. Um, but no, I'd say I give it probably a B minus. Yeah, I'm a little lower than you. I. It could even be a bit lower just based off of personal tastes. Right. I think I could probably give it a C plus and mm -hmm. stand by that. Yeah. Um, but I'm giving it a B minus because I really appreciate what they were able to do. Right. Um, and I appreciate the vision that they had for it. Tom, if we gave the same grades for everything, that would be weird. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable. I feel like well, something I was, know. I feel like something would be wrong. I think you're just going to give a B for every movie. This is only the third movie we've watched. You're right. But... 
I well, <laughs> come on, man. I think a <laughs> B is a not, fitting grade. At least you're not gonna say, well, after a second viewing, I might bump it up a little bit because. Uh, to be honest with you, Gus, I think you want to watch every movie twice. So that's I not saying too much. much. If you yeah. say, I would rewatch this. That doesn't mean anything. That no, doesn't speak to its quality. Nothing to me. It just speaks to the fact that I... You're like the boy who cried wolf. Okay, those words... Come are, on. Those words are not meaningful anymore. Boy who cried wolf. Overuse. Okay. Maybe, Overuse. Maybe if you stopped saying that you would rewatch a movie... I would actually think it was a good thing when you said, I want to rewatch well, that movie. Well, here's the thing, Dom. This is technically the second time I've watched this movie, so I can't okay, say I would rewatch this you're, movie. You're right, you already did. <laughs> oh, man. That's all I got. Yeah. I, We're done. I'm done. You want to do the outro? Not really. No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at outros. Thanks for watching, guys. Hey, the best thing to happen to hey, me right I'm now doing, would be... If, <laughs> I got abducted by aliens and didn't have to do the outro. You just disappeared. (laughs) I'm going to do the outro now, okay? Come and get me, aliens. Come and get us. I'm ready. (laughs) Dude, do you see those lights? I'm just kidding. Anyway. The the people in the sky. Hey, thank you so much for watching this video. If you like what you saw here, you can subscribe, hit the like, leave us some thoughts in the comments if you've seen this movie. Um, If you haven't, leave us some comments on what you think about the show. Also, check us out. Wherever you can find your podcast, that's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere. If you want to listen to the full uncut version of this, which should be up there pretty soon, uh, leave us that five-star review. Again, let us know what you think. We appreciate it. Number four in the books. Should be number five in the books. Should be number five. Whoops. You know, they are going to write a book about us one day. What if we write a book? We could write a book. I hate books. That doesn't mean you you can't write one. (laughs) 